Hello everyone, welcome to NBA Unwrapped, where we unwrap the hottest takes from around the NBA. I'm Corbin Weinerman, joined by, as always, Perry Aston. Perry, say hello. What's going on, guys? And today we have a special guest for you guys. We're really excited to introduce Nicole Walker from Fangirl Sports Network. Nicole, say hello. Hi, you guys. And on today's episode, we're going to introduce Nicole in just a second, but we want to remind you guys first to make sure that you're following us on Twitter, at NBA Unwrapped. You can follow me on Twitter, at CorbinMRPK, Perry on Twitter, at Perry Aston, and Nicole on Twitter, at WizardsFGSN. That's at WizardsFGSN for Fangirl Sports Network. Also, make sure to subscribe to our podcast on the SoundCloud app and also on iTunes podcast app. And while you're on the iTunes podcast app, make sure to give us a five-star review if you like us, and if you don't, you yeah, can leave. Yeah, be brutally honest if you yeah. like to, but definitely give <laughs> but us But we that. really appreciate those five-star <laughs> reviews. <laughs> so with that, let's get right into it. First off, Nicole, just want to introduce you a little bit. So um, maybe just start off by telling us a little bit more about Fangirl Sports Network. Yeah, and what you do for them. Yeah, so Fangirl Sports Network is made up with a bunch of females. We're kind of taking over a little bit of the sports, trying to cover things through social media and stuff like that. So right now, it's a brand new company, and so right now we are covering the NFL and the NBA. We're covering half the NBA right now, and this fall we're going to be covering all the NFL. So every one of us has our own team that we're dedicated towards. So we you know, follow along with the games that are going, all, all the trades, all the hype, and we're pretty much our a social media figure talking about you know, what's happening with that team during that time and trying to do, like, the fan engagement and hyping people up for games and getting people talking and answering people's questions and just kind of being a resource for everybody else to talk about. Yeah, I love I love what you guys are doing. I know I love, the, I love the idea of females in sports to begin with and especially educated females in sports who love, you know, and be passionate about certain teams. I love talking sports and hearing what your guys' opinions are, and that's why I'm so happy to have you on today's podcast. But Thank you. Yeah. Just wanted to uh, – so something funny I actually wanted to bring up just in the beginning. I was uh, texting Nicole before, just <laughs> trying to get to know her a little bit before our podcast. I like to do my research. Uh, but we actually went to college together, and we, mm-hmm. didn't, we, didn't, we didn't know so. I'm a year um, ahead of her, but I'm all done with school. I think she just finished up this last December. But Yep. Uh, my fr- the fraternity that Thank I you. was the president in always hung out with her sorority, and we, <laughs> pro- we probably met multiple times in college. And we <laughs> yeah, no we had to. That's crazy, but yeah, it's just such a small world. But yeah, I just mm-hmm. wanted to ask a quick question. I know you're covering the Wizards. You mm-hmm. went to you went to Arizona State. You uh, mm-hmm. I know you're based out of San Diego, California, Carlsbad to be exact, right now. I just wanted to hear how the Wizards became your team, and if there's a story behind that. You know, it's funny, when I was growing up, my mom was actually a Redskins fan. She grew up in Gilbert, Arizona, and the Cardinals were not there at the time. So she kind of adopted the Redskins as her fan. So we've kind of always, I've kind of always grown up with a DC love when it comes to sports, just because she was such an advent Redskin. Like, we know the fight song, like, we bought her jerseys all over the years. So, like, the Redskins were a really big thing. And my uncle actually moved to DC for a short time when he was younger. And so, you know, he was really into basketball. He was kind of the basketball person of our family. So when he moved out there, it was really hard for our family to be away. Like, he was a big part of our life. And so kind of a connecting factor for the two of us was, you know, the sports that are out there. And so 
you know, with the Redskins growing up, I kind of adopted with the Wizards, and then, like, the Nationals are kind of just that story that everyone kind of, like, wants to do. I mean, Bryce Harper is awesome and all that stuff, and everyone wants D.C. to do well. You know, they're very similar to the San Diego teams where they're just, they're always so close to doing well, but they just can <laughs> never get past that, like, first round of playoffs right. kind of thing, so they're always that underdog, and so, you know, just over the years and over all this stuff, just, you know, I kind of have my favorite teams in a few different places, but it's just throughout the years, the DC, you know, area kind of became a big thing. Like for me, a big fan is something I like to follow a ton. And when I was talking with our Tracy Sandler, who's the 49ers fangirl, she is our CEO and our boss for Fangirl Sports Network. And she was talking to me about joining with it. She's like, well, we only have like the Wizards open. And I was like, that's totally fine. Like I'm actually a big DC <laughs> fan. I know all about it. And so it actually worked out very well surprisingly yeah it was kind of just meant to be that's awesome though and now mm-hmm. you, you have roots in dc now so i'm sure at some point in your life you'll take plenty of trips there if not maybe possibly yes. move there or at least have tons of connections there so that's awesome that you're able to be mm-hmm. you know reach out in so many different places but yeah thank you again so much for joining us on today's of podcast course. i just wanted to start out i know it's been about two weeks since we put out our last pod just some busy times for us and everything but there's been a lot going on in the nba so i just wanted to bring up a couple topics and just run through them really quick before we jump into our playoff preview with Nicole. Uh, just to bring up the first and I think the most intriguing topic to me, at least over the past couple weeks, this rookie of the year debate and how heated it's got. Just Donovan Mitchell and Ben Simmons, there really isn't anybody that's you know in that debate at all. It's between the two of them. And they both have had amazing years for their teams. Both teams doing very well, made the playoffs, both of them. So both of those two players were such a big part of the fact that they've made the playoffs. The Jazz losing Gordon Hayward and everything. People thought this was going to be more of a rebuild. And Donovan Mitchell showed that he's kind of taken that star already uh, position from him. And then Ben Simmons, of course, and Joel Embiid being out right now. Ben Simmons is just showing what a crazy great player he is. So it's great to see rookies, you know, taking such a front seat right now in this league but they've had some serious beef donovan mitchell wore a t-shirt with the definition of the word rookie on it pretty much stating you know a player that's in an nba organ or sorry in a professional sports organization for the first year and he was taking a shot at ben simmons and reporters of course asked him after his game you know have you seen the shirt what do you think he was saying if that's his only you know, argument for Rookie of the Year is the fact that I'm not really a rookie. That seems that I'm in a good position then. So they both have zero issue you know, throwing shade at each other, and I think it's <laughs> awesome. And I just wanted to hear both of your guys' thoughts on who do you think Rookie of the Year should be this year. Yeah, let's start with Nicole. And also, Nicole, we're just curious, what's your thought on do you consider Ben Simmons a rookie? Do you think that he should even be eligible for this award? I think he should. I think, obviously, there's, if you go, like, the technical term, you know, maybe not necessarily, but there's also still a lot going on, like, with him. It's not just, like, he's been in this league forever in a day, and then he's trying to get the rookie of the year, you know, like, there's a lot of behind the scenes, and personally, for me, I, if I'm vouching a little bit for, you know, the Eastern side and the 76ers and stuff like that, I mean, everyone's kind of behind the whole Philadelphia bandwagon right now, and so I think that's where a lot of this is coming from with Ben Simmons, and obviously Donovan Mitchell is awesome, but I'm more intrigued with the two of them kind of going at it with each other. I think it's very fun. I honestly, like, I understand, like, kind of, like, the way it's going about, but I think the two of them, I don't think they're trying to be, like, rude or harsh towards anybody. I think it's just a very fun, you know, little competition between the two, and they know it's the two of them, and I think the two of them are kind of having fun and throwing shade just for, 
their own personal thing. Yeah, but I totally agree. I think it's I really think it's, fun, yeah. I think it's all fun and games. But if I am picking between one or the other, I do think I would go with Ben Simmons. Just kind of everything he's done for the 76ers and, you know, everything he's brought. And he's a big reason, you know, all of a sudden the 76ers took a, tor- like a turn towards the end of the season and they jumped majorly up when it came to the rankings at the very end. Yeah, and, you know, he's a big part wins. of that. 50-plus wins is crazy for a team that's mm-hmm. been riding with trust the process for the past few years. It really seems like the process is starting to work. And Joel, right. Joel Embiid's not even playing right now with uh, you know what's happened with his eyes. So it's crazy to see how Ben Simmons has taken such a leadership role. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem like a rookie at all. But yeah, just a couple stats I'm going to throw out. Donovan Mitchell, he ended the year with 20.5 points per game. Uh, 3.7 rebounds and 3.7 assists. He also had a one and a half steals, so he's very active on that end as well. But then you look at Ben Simmons, 15.8 points per game, so slightly less, but he has 8.1 rebounds per game and 8.2 assists, 1.7 steals, and 0.9 blocks. So it's very spread out for him, and he's such a, you know, an athlete that can do so much on the court and it shows in his stat line it shows in his leadership on the court It shows with the wins for this team and the fact that he's such a tall point guard he's such a modern day kind of nba player and how it's kind of turned towards positionless basketball of course Giannis, you know the greek freak he's technically a point guard (laughs) he's a point guard he handles the ball mostly for them so it doesn't really matter you don't have to be six foot two anymore and you know be the shifty little guy that can you know run around people you can be a massive guy who's got crazy vision and can just you know run the length of the floor with two dribbles literally it's crazy how long these guys are but yeah i mean i agree with you nicole Ben Simmons, I think it's just you can't not give it to this guy. Yeah. He it's almost a triple double. And he of course, you said he does deserve the rookie of the year. I agree. It's the rules set in the NBA. He's right. a, he's a rookie. The technical term. I kind of agree with you too. He maybe he may not be a rookie because he was in, you know, the organization for a year, but it doesn't matter because that's not on us to, you know, change the rules for the mm-hmm. NBA unless they want to look back on this and say, All right, maybe now <laughs> we can make a debate and see if we should continue doing this or maybe that's just, you know, we'll change it now. But still, if, if they don't change it, Ben Simmons, I feel like, I've, how do I've, you not give it to him? I think, like, it's not that big of an issue where, like, they're going to be at the owners' meetings during no. the summer. And be like, we gotta, <laughs> no. This is number one priority. There's so <laughs> many other not. things <laughs> we got to work on. I agree with you, Nicole, that this back and forth between the two of them, obviously they'd both love to win the award, but if they don't win it, it's not like their career trajectory is going to drastically change at all. Um, it's more just, it's definitely bringing more popularity to both of them and boosting their marketability, which I think win or lose this award for either one of them, it helps them long-term, um, be able to get better endorsements and stuff like that. Totally. I think who, Mm -hmm. uh, but I agree with both of you that Ben Simmons should definitely win this award. Donovan Mitchell has had a spectacular rookie year. Nobody saw this coming. Out of nowhere, yeah. Yeah, like you said, Perry, basically filled in for Gordon Hayward and, the Jazz, you look at them at the beginning of this year, there's no way that anyone would have thought they're going to be a five seed in the West. So that's oh, no a way. testament to Donovan Mitchell. That's a testament to their head coach, Quinn Snyder. Rudy Gobert, when he came back from his injury, that's when they really started to thrive. I think they had, what, 11 games, one in a row, something like that. But yeah. Ben Simmons, what he's done in Philadelphia, there was a point earlier in the year where when Joel Embiid missed games and Ben Simmons played, the Sixers still struggled. But as the year started to go on and Ben Simmons just, it seemed like he just got better as the season went on, which was scary because he was really good to start the year. 
But especially this last, what was it, 16-game winning streak to end the regular season without Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons as the face of That's the crazy. entire team. Yeah. Pretty much single-handedly elevating them from, they were down in like the 7 or 8 seed all the way up to the 3 seed, going yeah. up mano a mano against LeBron James and beating him in a high-scoring game. Yeah. That was incredible to see. And yeah, I think as long as the rules are what they are, which right now Ben Simmons is eligible for Rookie of the Year, I don't really even, even think there's much of a debate about who should win it. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement here, Ben Simmons. But we'll, uh, let's move on to the next ma- debate, if you want to call it that as well. For uh, MVP, I know James Harden, LeBron James, pretty much the two. Uh, Anthony Davis and Giannis both have had crazy great years, but it just shows how amazing James Harden's year has been for them not even really to be in this conversation right now. So for me, I'm going to, yeah, I'll start off with it. It's James Harden for me. He got snubbed last year from, you know, a guy who averaged a triple double who deserved it. They both deserved it last year. So it was really just a toss up. But yeah, this year, there's no one like that. And James Harden's putting up yet another crazy, amazing year. And his team is the best team in the league. And that has to do, you know, a lot, if not all with him. So definitely, I think he wins this award, but LeBron James, you know, with such a long career, he's still dunking on people and he's still doing such crazy things and he's improving his game. He averages more assists than he has his entire career. I believe there's other categories as well that he's topped out on this year yeah, think, than other years as well. I think he well. tied for career high in rebounds. Yeah, maybe rebounds as well. So the, he's just showing how he can continually grow and he's still a student of the game and it's crazy because he's debatably the best player of all time you know top three top five 100 percent. so i even with that said james harden for me it's it's just that year for him so i do you guys agree it's james harden or do you guys have any other thoughts for mvp we'll start with uh corbin yeah i'll make this quick it's james harden lebron james like you said amazing year it seems like as he gets older somehow he continues to improve on some facet of He's his like game fine year wine. after year he just gets yeah. better and hopefully it lasts longer for him than when people started saying Vino for Kobe and then he ruptured his Achilles later that year. But, yeah, he's had a great year, but the Cavs are the four seed in an Eastern Conference that is top-heavy but not particularly strong. You look at the top four seeds in the East, I don't think any team beyond those four teams have any realistic chance of even getting to the conference finals. Maybe one of them. The only upset could possibly be the Pacers over the Cavs, but... We're talking regular season here. James Harden, what the Rockets were able to do because of him and being able to mesh so well with Chris Paul, which from the beginning of the year, I did not think it was going to work, and, and he Cor- proved Cor- me Cor- wrong. vocal on how yeah. he thought this was not going to work. I, I, said I thought there was exist. no chance. The Just two ball-dominant players that really needed the ball in their hands in order to create for others and make as much of an impact as they could. But they made it work, and James Harden had an unbelievable year. The Rockets exceeded really anyone's expectations, not just my own. So James Harden's the clear-cut MVP for me. What do you think, Nicole? Oh, I totally agree. I think everyone's talking about, you know, kind of the two. And for me, it's completely James Harden. You know, there's so much credit to give to LeBron James. Like, obviously, he's a fantastic ball player and all that stuff. But what the Rockets have done this year is insane. The streaks they have gone on is absolutely ridiculous. And he is just someone who... He's a big reason why they've been able to get on those streaks, and they have just dominated when it comes to standings. And like you were saying earlier, you know, the Eastern Conference was kind of 
always a little bit set in stone, but that Western Conference was kind of, you know, it was a mess towards the end to figure out who was going to be in the playoffs and stuff, but the Rockets were always going to be in. Like, that was pretty much from, like, mid-season. Like, yeah. It was going to be the Rockets in this in this playoffs right now, and they could go all the way. Like, they are just dominating, and he is just doing everything right that he's supposed to be doing, and I think it's awesome to kind of have someone out there, you know, combating with LeBron James right now, because I feel like we haven't had that in a while. It's just always been LeBron James kind of dominating and things like that, and a lot of people are going behind James Harden, because just what he's done is just absolutely phenomenal, and, you know, I think the Rockets owe a lot of their success to him, and he's just, you know, he's done what no one thought he was going to do with this team, and the Rockets are in a place right now that I don't think anyone really thought they were going to be. Yeah, no one thought they are especially, you know, the Warriors with how amazing of a team that mm-hmm. they've been in the last few years. It's so hard to imagine them not as the best team in the league now since we've just gotten so used to it. So it's crazy that, of course, the Warriors have had a ton of injuries this year, and the Rockets are reaping the benefits of the fact that the Warriors might be having – you know, just an off year, it could mean, you know, father times catching up with a couple of their players. But who knows? All I know is that the Rockets look superb. And when him and when Chris Paul and Clint Capella are on the floor, I believe they lost two total games the entire regular season. And that has a lot to do with their coach as well, D'Antoni, who's able to, uh, you know, figure this all out. But yeah, James Harden's just such a magnificent year. And if he gets snubbed again for the second year, you know, there's going to be riots. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. Yeah. He's not going to There's going to be riots. So, yeah, let's move on to a really cool story that happened towards the end of the regular season. So, Andre Ingram, a 10-year G League veteran, 32 years old. The Lakers surprised him at his, it was supposed to be his exit exit meeting with the G League team, the South Bay Lakers, their front office, just end of the season, just to kind of recap. Yeah, recap the whole season. And they started talking to him. They actually had it on video. If anyone hasn't seen it, you should go check it out. It's about a four-minute video, and it's just a really cool thing to see. They start talking to him, and Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka just start waiting in the hallway, and you see him start to smile, and he starts to realize like what might be happening. And it's just so cool to see someone who worked so hard and for 10 years playing in the G League where they just upped the salary for their players to 35000 from, I believe it was 28000 Yeah, now they're making 35000 Yeah, it used to be even lower than that. So he's he's putting in sweat and tears yeah. for 10 years for just about nothing. And he, he was like tutoring math classes in the summer yeah. and mm-hmm. doing, doing things like that to keep food on the table for him and his wife and I know his family. And he uh, I, I just read something yesterday. He passed up double-digit amount of overseas deals that were offering him a lot more money and to go to Spain or Australia or anything like that and go, you know, become a professional elsewhere. But his dream was to be in the NBA and he wasn't going to give that well, up. Well, and he also, he didn't want to go anywhere else, which I think is just another thing that talks about his character. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to go overseas because he didn't want to uproot his family. He didn't yeah. want to either be away from them or force them to go overseas with right. him. So he took a lot less money to stay in the G League been there for 10 years, the last six years with the Lakers G League affiliate team. And he is the G League all-time leader in three-pointers made. He has it's like 700-something threes, which is over 200 more than second place. He shot, I think it was 55% from three-point range last year, like 48% this year. So he's an excellent shooter. And the Lakers brought him up for the final two year, two games of this year, and his first game against the Rockets, he had he had 19 points in 29 minutes. I believe he hit 
I think it was like four of six threes, and he came out shooting. As soon as he got into the game, I think he took two or three yeah, shots within the first few minutes. Yeah, the whole crowd was getting going crazy. Up. It was just a really, really cool story to see. I don't know if you have any extra thoughts on that, Nicole. I just think it's so cool when it comes to this stuff because it's, you know, always in the news and on things that we read, it's, you know, the high school person or the college person who got drafted right after the freshman year or whatever, and then they move their way up and then they're starting. I think it's all, I think it's awesome to look at these other stories because that's not the case for everybody. Right. A lot of people do go overseas to kind of kickstart and then they come back or whatever it is. And I think it's awesome to show that he loved the sport so much that he was willing to stick 10 years in that league and to do whatever he had to do in order to keep doing that. And he kept persisting in it. And I think it's awesome they brought him up. And then he did well when he came and played, which is just, it's one of those, stories that you just it makes your heart happy but it also shows how you know how in love these people are with the game it's not just something they do on the side kind of thing like they are so invested and he was willing to do whatever it took to get him to that point yeah he 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 looks older than 32 like he looks it looks like he's got gray hair like it looks like he spent some serious time there (laughs) and Mm -hmm. kobe bryant released a statement saying how you know it's so inspiring to see how much work he put in with the persistence and for him to come out and play like that it's just you know really really cool to see and that's kobe bryant the best you know one of the best lakers of all time it's just saying how you know what a great Lakers story that is and how great it is I'm sure Kobe knew who he was too the best player on that G League team for 10 years I'm sure his names came up at some point or maybe it hasn't but just if you haven't heard his name at that point you have now yeah so I don't think I don't think Kobe Bryant was ever concerned with the Lakers G League yeah I mean all I know is if you (laughs) you haven't heard of Andre Andre Ingram you've heard of him now and I'm excited to see actually what happens next year maybe you know he actually gets some sort of bench role on this team if not maybe someone takes a chance on him but yeah it would be cool just to see yeah. if they have a roster spot and the lakers there are plenty of teams that need three-point shooting shoot. lakers are one of them yeah you can clearly shoot and one other thing that's cool is that because they signed them for the last two games of this season if he does sign with the team next year for the minimum because he has those two games count as one year of experience so his minimum salary, I forgot what the exact amount is, but he gets another like fifty or sixty thousand dollars, which is Which is huge for a guy that's been making twenty eight thousand dollars a year for the last ten years and tutoring math on the side, just a five thousand dollar raise, just like any of us at like a career or a job that we have right now. It's a big deal. It really helps and you know, it's a it's a big step up from where you were and then you look towards the next number. So I mean I know it's not, you know, tons of money, but for a guy like that uh, who's been working so hard on getting such low pay in the G League. It's such an amazing story. Yeah, great to see. So uh, we'll move on to just some, something else real quick. We're going to talk about the Spurs and Coach Greg Popovich, who Corbin and I both agree, think is the best basketball coach of all time. And undoubtedly. He, uh, un- undoubtedly. I don't even think it's a debate. But the Spurs ended with the seventh seed this year, and now he uh, has – this is his 21st straight playoff berth, passing Phil Jackson for the most consecutive – playoffs appearances by a coach of all time 21 in a row Popovich is just the epitome of consistency and success he's just a robot and regardless of what's happening with his team I mean this year this year probably the most turmoil that he's had since since he started with the Spurs and with Kawhi Leonard and those conflicting reports about what's going on with him his team just keeps chugging along and they keep winning I know this year was 
a little bit. We're used to seeing the Spurs get at least 50 wins. I think they had a streak for a while where like 14 or 15 straight years they had 50 wins. Yeah. But even with all this turmoil, to still get a seven seed in the loaded Western Conference. Tony, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili both yeah. getting moved to the bench this year and taking bench roles and having younger players kind well, of Ginobili step up. Ginobili was always on the bench. Right, but no, Tony Parker literally <laughs> just give it. Ginobili is just kind of <laughs> such a, he's such an interesting player. The fact that he still can get up that high and dunk yeah. at this age is just crazy. If you haven't seen some of the videos this year, of him to check it out he looks very old and he is flying <laughs> but the, the two of them are both uh you know off the bench just contributing Pau Gasol is nowhere to be found he's probably the worst player on that Spurs roster right now uh, it's it's really sad he won't even close out on a player he's the laziest player on that team for sure but LaMarcus Aldridge playing the way that he's playing and the problems that he had with the Spurs last year and wanting to get out it's just to see how Popovich has turned him around and just the team that doesn't matter. I feel like it doesn't matter what team he's rostering that year. As long as Popovich is the coach, I have confidence that he'll be able to at least make you know the eight seed and make the playoffs. Because yeah. year in and year out, oh, I don't. It's not this team. It's him, and it's crazy. And the team, of course, are the people that are putting the basket or basketball in the hoop. But you know, Popovich it's is a important. mastermind. So wanted to give a quick shout out to him and congratulations to twenty one in a row because that's unheard of. Uh, let's awesome. talk, let's talk about some of this playoff seating we were just talking about and how the last game or two of this season really decided, especially in the West, who is going to be the three through the six seed. The last game, which was the Jazz game, was pretty much deciding if if one team won, it was going to be this team, this team, and this team. If another team won, it was going to be this team, this team, and this team. And it really showed because I know the Trailblazers and the Pelicans are playing in the first round right now, and they practically have the same record if not one game interchanging. So it's crazy to see that, and, you know, they would have still played each other if it was flipped, but, you know, maybe if something else changed, they would have been playing a completely different set of teams. So it's not like we're sitting here, sitting here saying, you know, teams one, two, three, and four are very strong and four, five, six, and eight are kind of weak. You know, one through eight are strong seeds for the for the West, and it's crazy to see the Spurs are the seventh seed, and they had a chance of not making the playoffs this year. And that's something that's just so weird to us, you know, our whole lives. It's been the Spurs and Popovich in the playoffs. So I just want to hear both of your guys' thoughts on just how crazy tight this basketball season's been. And even the East getting interesting at the end. So Yeah, it's just it's awesome to see how a lot of people talk about, like, for instance, college football and how, well, every game matters because there's only four teams that make the college football playoff and they don't get a chance to play each other. Well, in the NBA, there's 82 games, and some people talk about how, well, do you really need to keep playing these 82 games? Yes, because yeah, apparently, you look yeah. at Absolutely. the seeding, especially a perfect example is in the Eastern Conference with the Sixers and Cavs battling for that three seed. The reason why that was so important is because you win that first round matchup, you go into the second round playing either a very depleted Celtics team without Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward, mm-hmm. or if the Bucks are able to turn it around, you play a seven seed Milwaukee Bucks team that has no chance in being in the set. No, they shouldn't be in the second round. It's just because they're playing a depleted Celtics team, they might end up getting there. And now instead, because the Cavs fell to the four seed, they got to go play a Raptors team that's clicking on all cylinders, most likely. Sorry to say, Nicole. It's okay. It's okay. But um, it, it just speaks to how, and then you go to the Western Conference. Yeah, like you mentioned, Perry, the three seed Blazers and the six seed Pelicans. There was what a game maybe separating yeah, them. There was, yeah. there were so game, many, yeah. yeah, so many different scenarios that could have happened on the last day with the Pelicans and the th- 
Thunder and the Jazz having, I think the Thunder started the last day in like the seven or eight, I think the seven seed, and then they somehow got all the way up to the four seed. So it was, it was really fun, fun down to the wire, the Timberwolves and Nuggets playing each other, and that one literally being winner go home, winner goes to the playoffs, loser's done for the Crazy. rest of the season. Yeah, it was great to see. What about you? What do you think, Nicole? You know, it's awesome. You know, coming towards the end, obviously, you know, the Eastern Conference kind of had their one through eight set pretty early on. You know, everyone kind of clinched the playoff berth early on. Now, what ranking they were, that was obviously still for debate, but one through eight was pretty set in stone. And then just to talk, like for the Wizards, we were actually fourth for a while and then come to the end, like we dropped down to eight. And so those last couple of games for us, like just for us alone made a huge difference. And Obviously, there's more teams than just us in there, but it was, you know, it was insane. You know, the Cavs were up at three, and the Sixers were battling with the fifth place and stuff like that, and now it's completely changed, and it's completely also changed the dynamics for things because, as you were talking about, like, the Celtics are a very injured and depleted team, and so a lot of people were kind of wanting to play them and kind of go after them, but the Eastern just got, it literally got down to the wire and became to deal breakers and tie breakers and all that stuff but then when you go to the western conference if like that was not set in stone at all like if you look at the fourth fifth and sixth seed right now they actually have the same amount of wins and losses it was just the matter of who won what game and stuff like that and then for the seventh and eighth seeds you know they had 47 wins and then four five and six had 48 and then the trailblazers had 49 like it was all just a couple of games with each other so it literally came down to the last game. Yeah, the, la the last game. Nicole, I, I, I just found it right here. I pulled it up. It's if It was the Trailblazers versus the Jazz. If the Trailblazers beat the Jazz in this last game, the Pelicans would be the six, the Jazz would be the five, the Thunder would be the four, and the Blazers would be the three. If the Crazy. Jazz beat the Trailblazers, then the Thunder would be the six, the Pelicans would be five, the Blazers would be four, and the Jazz would be three. So it was literally a complete flip for both of them, depending on who won this last game between those two teams. So that is insane. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah, it's just absolutely crazy. And we're just going to bring up a quick thing just with talking about how tight this playoff seating was. Let's talk about how popular these playoffs were, and it just shows these matchups and how crazy it is and how people are so intrigued with it. The NBA, um, the ratings for the first four games on opening Saturday were up 17% from last year, which is the highest wow. opening Saturday in five years. So something's different, and the competitiveness around the NBA right now is at an all-time high, and fans from all across the country are tuned in trying to see who's going to win this because right now it's not just – you know, the Wizards are going to win this year, and we're just curious to see if anybody can take down LeBron on the way there. Right. And that's about it. And it's really nice to say, you know what? Maybe the Pelicans have a chance. You know what? Maybe this team, or the Raptors, I don't know, have a chance. Or maybe this team has a chance. And it's just so crazy to say all these teams that we're not used to talking about in the past few years and how there's just a new landscape around the NBA. And I think it's very exciting. Yeah. and it's like, Oh, sorry, Nicole. Go ahead. Oh. I, like, I love how the Raptors and the Rockets are the number one teams right now. It's yeah. not the Warriors and Cavs. It's yeah. a completely different, you know, number one seed that a lot of people are used to. Totally. It's, yeah. it's awesome. That's exactly what I was going to say. Just the Warriors and Cavs fatigue from the last few years. This is the first year, it feels like, since the Warriors won in, when was it, 2015, where in the Western Conference, there's a real chance that the Warriors might not make it. And some of that's injury. And then you look to the Eastern Conference, I still think the Cavs are going to just... I never want to bet against LeBron James to make it out of the yeah. East. Um, but this 
is more... I mean, every year before with the Cavs, since LeBron came back, they've had their issues, and there's been questions about, well, are they going to be able to keep it together? And then they always do, but this year with especially the roster shakeup, LeBron James had a quote earlier today talking about how it was harder for the team to really lock in for the playoffs because they're still really just trying to figure each other out because half the team just got there in February. Uh, so there's some real intrigue to these playoffs that there really just hasn't been for the last few years. And just one more crazy thing. I know you were saying how you're excited that there was a different one seed in both divisions. The crazy stat that I want to bring up right now is that for the Eastern Conference, so the Raptors clinched the number one seed heading into the playoffs. They're the seventh different team in the last seven years to finish as the first seed in the East. So in the last seven years, there's been a different number one seed every single year. And that would be the Raptors, Celtics, Cavaliers, Hawks, Pacers, Heat, Bulls. And it's so nuts to see. Well, first off, there's been no consistency with who runs the East. So right well, now, the Cavs. Well, it, regardless, LeBron if, James. If, whatever. If, if they, LeBron James is on. If they, the I'm East. talking more about the long lines of just the one the season. Yeah, the yeah. regular season, of course. So you're talking. We're just talking regular season here. So <laughs> to end the season, number one, you're running the league, and then when you get to the playoffs, it doesn't matter if LeBron's the eight seed. He probably is yeah. going to go all the way, but. <laughs> It's still the fact that, you know, who's been the consistently the best team year in and year out for the East leading into the playoffs? And then there hasn't been one. It's just been a different team and a toss-up every single year. And it's crazy because four of the seven teams on this list, the Hawks, or sorry, three out of the six, the Hawks, the Heat, the Bulls, you know, these aren't teams that you'd expect to be, or, sorry, even the Pacers, you know, the Pacers are finally doing well right now. The Heat are always the seventh or the eighth seed or something along those lines, but to think of when was the last time the Pacers were the one seed. It feels like a while ago. You know, Paul George, of course, but it feels like forever ago. And the Bulls, you know, they're awful now. But do you remember <laughs> when they were the one seed? Like, it's just crazy Look to at the Hawks. That. That's just the, the four Hawks. years ago. Right. Now look at where they are the now. Hawks are awful right now, and they're in total rebuild. And now yeah. they're about to lose their assistant coach, who might be leaving as well, too. So the Hawks at this point, you know, that's one of the craziest teams on that list. But, yeah, I just wanted to bring up that crazy stat, how there's just been no dominance in the East. Yeah, so let's just move on to another topic. We don't have to spend much time on it, but just a really cool stat that the Rockets this year were the first team in NBA history to attempt more three-point field goals than two-point field goals, which, I mean, you think about it, that's ridiculous. Layups and stuff, that's, yeah. But that's that's Daryl Mo- Morey, their GM. That's what he's wanted all along. Right. Eliminate the mid-range game. It's either you get layups, free throws, or you shoot threes. And the Rockets did that better than any other team has up until this point. And I'm sure as the game continues to go in that direction, maybe next year there's another team or two that starts doing that. I doubt that that'll ever become the norm, but um, it's... It's it's, a thing now. Yeah, it's... it's, They're breaking history. It's crazy. I know leading the All-Star break, they were in advanced advanced analytics. They were the number one offense in NBA history. And that's just nuts because, I mean, Daryl Morey was very proud of it. He posted on his own personal Twitter saying, you know, look at these guys, the number one offense in history. And, it, you know, you're going to have to gas your guys up when you get a chance. This is an offense that he's been working towards. And James Harden and Chris Paul, they've just found a way to coexist. And everyone else they put around them has fit so perfectly. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the Rockets. I've been saying it all along kind of thing. So I'm so glad to see this weird new way of basketball working out so well for them, and I'm excited to see how it works out in the playoffs. Um, let's just pretty much just list off some of the stat leaders for um, for the NBA this year. I know it really hasn't been too much of a battle for points per game, of course, with James Harden you know, leading it out. 
But, you know, we're going to list the rest of them right now. And it's, you know, James Harden listed at 30.4 per, points per game. We have Victor Oladipo, 2.4 steals per game. And Anthony Davis with 2.6 blocks per game. Uh, we have Russell Westbrook, 10.3 assists per game. And he has now averaged to a, a triple-double in two straight years. Just an absolute animal. I don't, and this year was so much more quiet than oh last my God. year. And we'll just finish off real quick. Andre Drummond, 16 rebounds a game. Just an absolute beast, at least down low. But let's just jump right back to Westbrook for just a quick second. I want to, Nicole, I want to talk to you really quick about this. And just the fact that he's averaging a triple-double two years in a row and how crazy this guy is at basketball. I want to hear if you have any thoughts on Russell Westbrook. He is just such, you know, an awesome person. I think he gets sometimes a little overshadowed and stuff like that. And people, I think people forget how awesome he actually really is because, you know, he's like, he's the main person. Like the Thunder aren't like, they're not normally like, at least this season, like they weren't like the dominant force. And so people were like, Oh yeah, like Russell Westbrook, but like da da da. But then like when you listen to the stats, you're like, no, like this kid actually does incredible things. And I think people, you know, overshadow him with, you know, Stephen Curry and with James Harden and all that stuff. But he's just done, you know, amazing things and he's kind of the face for the thunder right now. Like he's like he's the it boy and all that stuff. Yeah, and I think it's just him to a big extension. Yeah. So he's, going off of that yeah. and talk about how he's overshadowed I'm just saying if he was wearing that purple and gold, he wouldn't really be overshadowed right now. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's kind of just unlucky for him playing with James, Har- James Harden and Kevin Durant at the beginning of his right. career and having Kevin Durant leave in that way and having Russell Westbrook feel like he's kind of like the Robin to the Batman and then him leaving and him showing that he can be all great on his own and he's crazy. And then now Carmelo Anthony and Paul George have now joined him over there. So it's hard to but focus just on how great Russ is because he's had so much amazing talent around him his whole career. But the stats don't lie. And people talk about stat padding, but he was very open about it. He said, if people want to get 16 rebounds a game, they would. But if they don't want the rebounds, I'll go get them. Like, I'm confused how <laughs> this is a thing. Like, if people want to, you want to get the most stats possible, you want to help your team as well. If you want to get up and get that rebound, you're going to go get it. So... He's kind of sick and tired of hearing about that stat padding, but stats are amazing. Corbin, do you have any uh, thoughts on this? Well, I mean, Brody? Just, I mean, he's playing in Oklahoma City. Seriously, like if he was in a market like LA or New York or something, we'd pay as much as as much attention as we pay to him right now. There'd be so much more surrounding him. But he's in Oklahoma City. He likes being there. He's one thing that I do really love about him. Even though I was hoping he wouldn't sign that extension and maybe come to the Lakers. I love his commitment to stay with one team and to try to make it work with the Thunder. He's playing in Oklahoma City, and you think about the market there, probably one of the worst markets to play in in the NBA. Oh, absolutely. And I'm sure he knows that, but he still wants to do everything to make it work. Their front office, I don't think, gets enough credit either. You look at what they were able to do, not just with drafting Westbrook, Durant, and Harden, but also after Harden leaves with that trade, which was not a good trade, but then they lose Kevin Durant, and they're able to turn... They traded Serge Ibaka for Victor Oladipo and DeMontis Sabonis, and then a year later, they, they're they able to turn what they got for Serge Ibaka into Paul George, and then they're able to get Carmelo Anthony. So this front office keeps making stuff work when it seems like they have nothing left. When, when Kevin Durant left last year... Russell Westbrook, part of the reason why we paid so much more attention to him was He's because, he, yeah, he was the only star there. And some people thought Oladipo would be able to do, not what he's been doing this year, but kind of an uptick in production, which he really didn't do. But 
just this year with having Paul George and having Carmelo there, it kind of takes some of the shine away from Russell Westbrook. And to be honest, I did not realize he was this close to getting a triple-double. I saw a tweet with like six games left that if Westbrook averages 12 rebounds per game, he'll get a triple-double. And I thought, I didn't think that there was any chance he was going to get a triple-double. Right? It's just not talked about. Yeah, so it's just... It's become casual for him, which is crazy yeah. enough in its own right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's just talk about a couple of firings real quick for some coaches around the league. Uh, we got Steve Clifford... Uh, and you know Jeff Hornacek and Frank Vogel, the three coaches that have gotten the axe so far. But it's just a few teams right now. The Suns, um, they're looking for a couple. They have a couple coaches coming in. David Fisdale um, and what was the whole Buzzinger or whatever? Oh, Mike Budenholzer from Buden, the Hawks. Sorry, Budenholzer. Yeah. It's a tough last name to grab. But from the Hawks, he's an Arizona native. So he's a big name talked about going over there as well. The Knicks, they got Mark Jackson uh, that just interviewed. David Blatt is another name flying around, ex-Cavs coach. So... Just a lot of names flying around right now for coaches. And, of course, with the Bucks looking as awful as they are right now in the playoffs and Jason Kidd getting fired halfway through the season, you know, the Grizzlies who fired David Fisdale. There's a lot of teams with interim head coaches right now that are looking for spot, looking for someone to come take over this team and the direction of their future as well. So there's a lot of teams right now that are, you know, interviewing and a lot of teams that will continue to do this when the playoffs end. But we just wanted to bring up just a couple of coaches that – you know, just got the axe already, and it's just a, it's a tough business, but definitely a lot of teams looking for coaches right now and a lot of big names floating around. Uh, but let's move on to what everybody wants to talk about, the playoffs. And it's been already probably the most exciting playoffs that I can remember in recent past. Uh, if you haven't been taking a look at our NBA Unwrapped Twitter, please do. We are sending out a preview. Our, sorry, we're sending out a post box score kind of everything with every single game that has gone on so far take a look you'll see the final score where this series is at and the top scorers or you know top performers from that game so we've been shooting out one for every one of those so take a look uh, i know nicole has been all over wizards for you know fangirl yep. sports network so if you haven't looked at her twitter definitely look at that she's posting articles left and right and all of her thoughts about the wizards um let's just start with them you know we got the Wizards fangirl and some again. Thank you so much for joining us, Nicole, on today's podcast. You've been so fun already to have on, and it's so thank great. Thank you. So we just wanted to uh, just talk to you. I know you gave us that awesome story about how you got into the Wizards. Uh, how do you enjoy? You know, first off, how do you enjoy covering the Wizards? First off, because this is a team that has been very up and down, and we're starting to see with the playoffs. Yeah, you know, I so when we all started, most of us kind of started right around uh, the NBA trade deadline. So we kind of, you know, we launched the, our part of the NBA, you know, fangirls, and then all of a sudden trades happen. And so all of us had kind of like just gotten our feet wet and like starting to, we've all like followed it, but like there's a whole different like intensity of like following a team, like when you're posting about it too. And so we all joined and you know, trades happen. So, like, Cavs fangirl, like, I felt so bad for her because so many things happened. Like, that was, like, she came in and, like, within a week, like, had all this stuff. Like, luckily the Wizards didn't have that much going on, so it was, like, not too bad. But, yeah, it's been very up and down. When I came on, you know, John Wall was hurt, and he was gone, and this team was learning how to, like, play without him. And they completely had to change the way they played because they didn't have their all like their all-star there of course they had Bradley Beal and everybody else but you know with John Wall gone they completely had to reconfigure what they did and then they started working and it clicked and they were going and then it's just like the wheels fell off and I just I it turned so crazy and it's been such an up and down right now and obviously 
I'm interacting with a ton of the fans right now, and people are very, very angry, and people are really upset, and all these things, because it's such an up and down, and we're winning games we shouldn't be winning, but then we're losing games that we shouldn't lose, and it's such a, you don't know what team you're going to get right now, because there's about three different Wizards team, and we don't know which one's going to show up, it's you know, they either click, and then they're dominant when it clicks, and then there's also, you know, Scott Brooks went on record a couple weeks ago, and he called the team a selfish team, and he was getting really upset with them, saying, you guys are playing selfishly, and that's why you're losing these games, and so it's such a crazy thing right now, and then, like, obviously, we're in playoffs, and we're playing the Raptors, which we did, that was the one team we just did not want, and we had every option to not play them and we just couldn't figure out a way how to win a game and we were hoping we were so close to playing the celtics and i think we would have been very happy if we played that because Mm -hmm. celtics are kind of falling off there's very hard right now which you know injuries are the name of the game but you know we're playing the raptors and the raptors are you can tell they're playing down to our level and we still can't win you know we're not I was watching the game last night, and we, at one point, were within five points of tying this game, and then it turned into 20 points behind, and it's <laughs> such as a crazy, you know, like, if, even during the game, it's such an up-and-down team, and, you know, you don't know what team's going to show up, so I don't know who's going to show up this weekend, obviously, I'm rooting for them, and we can all see what's going on, but it's, you know, playoffs and the season itself, like, with injuries and just everyone adapting, it's such a crazy thing, but yeah. The Wizards are a little bit of a toss-up right now, but I'm having a blast doing it. You know, everyone's been so much fun, and it's always fun to interact with people on social media who are excited to talk sports with you, and then you get, you know, on game days, everyone's sharing, like, you know, what they're wearing, like the thoughts they think needs to happen, and everyone's, you know, it's like a little family, like it's our little D.C. family, mm-hmm. and we're all, you know, we're just having a fun time, and we're talking, you know, basketball, we're talking sports, and it's a very enjoyable thing, and yeah, we get really frustrated when we lose games and stuff like that, but, you know, it's been fun, it's given me, you know, something to do, and it's definitely kept me on my toes, because it's not just like it's a smooth sailing thing, you know, every day is a different story, but it's been a little bit of a roller coaster ride, for sure. So, you mentioned about how you interact with fans, and a lot of them have been upset with the Wizards' struggles as of late. I'm just curious, who has been most at blame as far as who have fans been blaming the most for why the Wizards are struggling? So it's a little bit of a toss-up. There's a lot of the people are blaming Scott Brooks. They want him to be fired, which I personally don't agree with, but that's a totally different story. And then a lot of people are upset with Gortat, and that one I kind of understand because like, there's some obvious things in there. And then also, you know, Beal's been in the slump lately, and so everyone's kind of giving him a hard time for, you know, not being the person that everyone saw during the all-star and the person who is, you know, matching up and the leader with John Wall. And so it's kind of between the three of them right now. Of, and it kind of changes every game of who to blame. <laughs> but, yeah, it's pretty much the three of those people. Okay. So let's just get right into it, though. So obviously the Raptors are up two games to none on the Wizards. Yeah. Is there any hope, anything that you've seen from these first two games that give you reason to believe that the Wizards might have a chance to get back into the series and win? If you, like, like even though we're at a 2-0 record, I completely believe that we can. You know, I've watched both these games, and the team is definitely improving from the last couple of games of the regular season. You know, when we, we ended the season just not the way people wanted to end. We were just not playing well and all this stuff. And, I, and I've actually seen us completely change some of those things, and it hasn't been enough to beat the Raptors quite yet, but it's also not a complete wipe out that everyone kind of thought it was you know 
at the, the end results are a little bit different, but if you look at like throughout the game, like we get up there, and then you can see some really good plays. That's you what can I'm also saying. I, I really making mistakes. The Wizards definitely can put up enough points, and they're definitely a team that can match the intensity of the Raptors when it comes down to it. It's just on the defensive end of the ball. It's which, all defense. It's really it because the Raptors came out last night and they scored 44 points in the first quarter, and it really at that point it didn't matter how good the Raptor or the right. sorry the Wizards played for the rest of the game. It was just an uphill battle. And no matter how close you got, they just had the momentum. And, it, you know, I definitely saw – so I want to bring up something really quick. Did you see Drake and some of his yes. comments? Okay, so I wanted to bring that up to some of our fans. He called uh, Oubre Jr. a bum, and that was off the sideline. And Oubre Jr. actually took a second after the game to address it and you know, pretty much just showed respect. Drake's one of the best rappers of all time, and he's probably just messing around or whatever. But – Definitely, like, he was calling him a bum, and he took shots at uh, John Wall as well, mm-hmm. and John Wall, and that was on Instagram, and John Wall came back at him, you know, saying that we're looking for all the smoke and all that stuff, so they're both, so Drake is, of course, the biggest part of the Raptors' culture when it comes to non-basketball, right. so yeah, he's on the sidelines heckling stuff, kind of reminds me a bit of a Spike Lee situation, a much less intense <laughs> Spike so, Lee situation. His team isn't losing because of them, they're winning. Right. Not it's, because of it. Right. It just reminds, I don't remember the last time I saw someone heckling that hard on the sidelines since Spike Lee <laughs> actually had some sort of, you know, people actually gave a crap what he was saying. And oh, what about Kevin Hart? With oh yeah, let's bring that up too. Oh, yeah. Kevin, Durar, Kevin uh, Hart is actually not allowed in Miami for this game coming up. <laughs> Dwayne Wade actually banned him from the stadium. I saw it all exchanged on Twitter because Kevin Hart said it's not the end I'm coming I'm coming to Miami I'm bringing it there you know you can't get rid of me that fast he said well I can you're not welcome here in Miami so I think it's really funny but yeah that's what's going on for the culture side of uh, on the sidelines guys let's just do predictions and um, I mean Nicole I I don't know if uh, you want to Make a prediction on this one for the Raptors and Wizards. Do you have a prediction? Let's hear. Let's hear prediction and how the series is going to end. Like what game to what game? Okay, I do think the Raptors are going to win this one. Okay. You know, the Wizards have just kind of shown that they can't play with the number one seed right now. There's a few things we need to fix, but I do. I don't think we're going to get swept. I really do think that we're going to win one of these games. I want to win both of them, but I, at least one of these games. You know, when we come back to DC, so I'm thinking it's going to end. Oh, I don't know. That one's hard. But I don't think we're going to get swept, but I do think the Raptors are going to win. But I think it's—I think we're going to only have a one or two game win. Okay. I I agree with you. I think it's still... I'll still say six games. You guys have been okay. competitive in the first two. Raptors have started to kind of run away with it, and then you guys come back. The thing with the Wizards is... To me, you guys are the most frustrating team in the playoffs because oh you God. look. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Bucks are right there with you guys too. Just you look at the talent, and you, the Wizards and the Bucks should just both both just be so much better than they right. are. And I think there's got to be at least two games where that talent just clicks and they're able to take two games. Maybe it's these two games coming up at home, having the home uh, home audience behind it. Yeah, home court advantage. Just something I think. Before the series started, I thought it was going to go seven games, so I'll go six now yeah. even with the Raptors up to... Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to say six also. I do like this Wizards team, and that's the thing. And I and I think the Raptors are a great team, and I think they're actually going to make it to the championship this year. And I've said this for a couple weeks now, maybe a month. 
But the Raptors are very good. I don't think that they're going to beat the Rockets. Um, that's really my predictions. But the Raptors will finish this out in six games. The, I agree with Corbin. Uh, the Wizards will figure it out for two of the games. But I just something about the Wizards real quick. I was bringing it up to, to Corbin. I mean, they might have the best backcourt in the league with John Wall and Bradley Beal. Yeah. Uh, Debatably with, you know, with Curry Clay Thompson and, and Curry. But... You know, they're totally different kind of wait, 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 with Bradley Beal this year too. He's averaging, you know, twenty I think it's twenty two points per game, four rebounds, four assists, and you hold got on. John Wall eighteen points and nine assists. So production wise, they are one of the best backcourts in the league. Yeah. We're not gonna put them I don't think we can put them higher than number three though. You're not taking them over Chris Paul and James Harden. Chris You're not Paul, taking James them Harden. Over Curry, I didn't Thompson. say they were the best, I said one of the best. Okay. And it's just but we were talking earlier, me and Corbin, about because he said offensively they might be one of my favorite. Um, but I don't think there is any good defensive backcourt in the league right now. Everyone is so good at offense, and maybe one of it's them, just, maybe one of them was a better no defender than paid. the other. Everyone focuses on offense and not. Defense. But think about but this: yeah, think, it, think, think about like a Patrick Beverly and like someone else, like together, like they're like the like only like, Tony Allen, yeah, Tony no, Allen, no or offense, exactly. And that would be like, oh, let's just see this matchup <laughs> of Curry and you know. Clay Thompson versus these two because it's kind of uh, David versus Goliath, but I don't think that's a thing. I think no, it's just kind no. of who's the best offensive backcourt. Oh, yeah. And you gotta you, you gotta give them a top three bit for sure. John Wall and Bradley Beal with the way that Bradley Beal's played this year, especially when John Wall went out. You know, of right. course, of course, Chris Paul and Harden and Curry and Thompson are up there as well for sure. But yeah, you know, I think arguably you got like Lillard, Lillard and McCollum. Lillard and McCollum are there, but I would still take Wall and Beal right now. I think for I would me, too. I, I I would have to say Nicole would too. But, oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I would definitely say that at least with their backcourt, they got you know Bradley Beal's only getting better and better, and John Wall's crazy yeah. good too. Markeith Morris and you know Martin Gortat, they're good players, but I really think I see the Wizards kind of giving up at least on one of them for sure. And really oh, looking because yeah. they got Obrey Jr. and they got Otto Porter and they got such young talent there too. So it's not just, it's not like they're too old to be making things happen. There's a lot of talent and youth there that they still have. They haven't. should be so much. They should better be so much better. That's why it's so they frustrating so for everyone better. right here. But I think next year they're really going to you know go back to the drawing board. And I I don't see another year like this repeating at the very least. I can see them you know definitely taking strides forward this next year and making moves on this roster. Well, it's just for the last few years, like it feels like they're on the cusp of right. taking a step forward, and it's almost like they take a step backward yeah. each year. This right. year, more than in the last Definitely. few years, but it's just, when's it going to happen? Yeah. John Wall, how old's John Wall now? He's in, what, his, like, seventh, eighth year now? Like, he's, like yeah. he's like not that. a young kid anymore. Yeah. He needs to be leading this roster. Bradley Beal needs to take the next step, which he, I he think... He did take a lot of steps this year. So uh, the only, I, think, did, the, I yeah. think the only bright spot for the Wizards this year was how well Bradley Beal played without John Wall and how, how much he was able to put up production-wise. But other than that... The team's got a ton of question marks, but I really do think they'll take strides this year. So you said you don't think they should abandon ship on Scott Brooks? No, I don't think so. You know, like when I, I'm like reading into things and obviously watching, and there's obviously something that's not working for this team, and that's very evident, that's very clear and stuff like that. But it's very, like you watch it, and you watch how Scott Brooks makes these changes. That like you, like you listen to everything, you see how he's doing it, and he's trying something different every game to fix things. Now, not always working and there's something obviously still that's not there but it's not that he's not understanding and making changes and noticing things you know I think everyone needs to also remember when John Wall was gone the first part of him being gone 
the team actually did very well, and yeah. no one thought that was going to happen. We went on a pretty decent winning streak yeah. that no one thought was ever going to happen without John Wall. Now things kind of teetered off towards the end, but that's a credit to what Scott Brooks was able to do to this team when they lost John Wall. He was able to completely shift this team into winning without one of their top people there. And now things are kind of, no one really knows what's going on. But when you talk to everybody, everyone has a different opinion of what's going on. Like, there's not a cons- like a consistent thing of, like, this is what's, like, when, when, thing, when things are going wrong, you know, everyone's got their place to, you know, put their blame. And I feel like at this point when the team is so close to doing well, but so, you know, debatably not, it's it has to be the coach or it has to be, you know, this just a complete rebuild. But I feel like unless you see a team with such good talent and you say, you know, what's wrong with that team, you, you automatically look at the coach. And that's why oh, people always tend to freak out. But... Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not, but sometimes that's just the cop-out and where they'll put the blame, they'll fire him, bring in a new guy and be like, this will answer everything. This will now fix it all. But sometimes that's not the answer. Sometimes it's the right coach, but, you know, just needed a little bit more time. So, yeah, I agree with you. I like Scott Brooks there. So if they can keep him there for another year and make a couple moves, I think we're going to be in a better spot yeah. next year than we are right now for the Wizards. We? So now you're part of the Wizards? With me and Nicole right now. She's <laughs> on it. We're, we're on the Wizards okay. team for this episode. Okay. Okay, so let's move on to the other playoff series. So Celtics and the Bucks. we talked a little bit about how the Celtics just dealing with the different injuries, to, especially Kyrie and Gordon Hayward, their two best players. Um, what do you guys think? Celtics are up two games to zero. Did you see this happening beforehand, and do you think the Celtics will be able to advance to the next round? To be honest, I didn't see a 2-0 start coming out off the bat just because of Giannis and the fact that the Celtics are so down with players and they're so, you know, the depth is down. They're very injury-riddled right now. So I thought that they would be able to take advantage of the Celtics, maybe take this to seven games, maybe six, and actually win this series. But... Honestly, I was watching, I was in Santa Monica yesterday, and I was watching this their game. They look like, the. I was tweeting on my personal page, they might be playing the worst team basketball in the entire league. They don't have any depth behind, they have four guys that they play the whole game, and then at the point guard position, they rotate between Malcolm Brogdon and Tony Snell. And maybe one other guy that they'll sprinkle in there for a guard, but... Everyone else is playing 45-plus minutes, and it's if the big guys that they have in John Henson and Giannis and... You know, all these guys, Jabari Parker's nowhere to be found. So this team doesn't have any depth. They're making a ton of turnovers. And unless Giannis is doing something unhuman, the team doesn't have chemistry. And the coach is just an interim head coach that doesn't have complete control of this team. So even though the Celtics are injury-riddled, a guy like Jalen Brown seems like the kind of guy that can lead them past the Bucks right now easily. So the Bucks seem honestly like the most unimpressive team to me. I, I, I like... How the Wizards are playing more than I like how the Bucks are playing for sure. So I think the Celtics win this uh, four games to one. What do you think, Corbin? So before the series started, I thought the Bucks were going to take this in mm-hmm. six. I thought yeah. close it out on their home court, just because of the injuries to the Celtics. But now I'll say Celtics in seven. The Bucks. I haven't been too impressed with what they did, especially in game two. Game one, I think they had a really um, impressive game, just hanging with the Celtics. It's the Bucks, you got to remember, they're a pretty young team. Uh, Eric Bledsoe's, what, probably one of the oldest players on the team that actually plays a good amount of yeah, games, other than Jason Terry. Yeah. But Bledsoe, the last time he was in the playoffs, I believe, was 2012 with the Clippers. So they don't have much playoff experience other than 40-year-old Jason Terry. So I thought it would take them a little bit of time to just let the butterflies out. 
in game one, and they hung with the Celtics. There was that questionable call on Giannis's sixth foul in overtime. If that call goes a different way, who knows? Maybe they win game one, and then they're headed back to Milwaukee with a 1-1 split, which I'm sure everyone with the Bucks would do. But, yeah, I think um, with the 2-0 series lead for the Celtics, I just think it's too much for the Bucks to overcome. And Game 7 in Boston, I think the Celtics just narrowly edged that one out. What do you think, Nicole? I totally agree with you guys. You know, going into this, everyone wanted to play the Celtics because they were that injured team. They were kind of, if you could play the Celtics, you are going to be guaranteed kind of first round. Like, that's what everyone was talking about. And so I didn't think this 2-0 Boston was going to happen at all. If anything, I thought it would be 2-0 Bucks. But watching you know, the games happen, it's, like, the Celtics are clearly playing better than the Bucks are, even though they are so injured. The Bucks just aren't showing up, and like you said, they are young, and so I do give them at least a game or two to be able to win this, but, you know, I was really surprised going into this, because I thought, you know, the Bucks were going to totally take this, it was going to be clear as day, you know, the Celtics were done, they were injured, they're going to just, you know, regroup and come back next year, but now that Boston's up to, to oh, like, I totally give them, you know, all the credit to be able to win this round. And I do agree with you guys. It's going to go about six games just because I do think the Bucks they are young. I think they're going to kind of get their feet wet and kind of figure out what to do, and they are going to at least pull off a game. But, yeah, you know, I was really surprised with how the Celtics came out, but I was also really surprised with, like, how bad the Bucks kind of yeah. came out, like, yeah. for, like, lack of a better word. Yeah, 100%. I was I was honestly shocked. I, I don't like their team chemistry, and it just seems like there's a lot of pieces missing there, not just, you know, one or two, and Giannis is just holding that team together right. you know, left and right with strings, and just as soon as he goes down or anything like that, God forbid, he, you know, that team's nothing. It's not, there's not well coached, there's no depth, there's nothing Without about Giannis beyond, beyond just this league. unhuman player, the, the, you know, in, they're nothing. So I, they need to do so much more to keep him there past, I believe he's got one more year on no, his contract. Like two, uh, two more years. Yeah, yeah, he's actually locked in a little bit. So he's got two more years. I'm sure that they'll make some moves this offseason seeing, you know, the fact that they're so close to, you know, they're a seven or eight seed, it seems like, every year for the last couple of years, right? Last yeah, year and each year it's been so a disappointment like they They're right there, though. They have a management group that's willing to spend tons of money, uh, and they got a new stadium. So I like the Bucks' future, but right now I don't like this Bucks team. Let's move on okay. to the next matchup. Uh, number three, 76ers versus number six, Heat. And right now we have a series tie, one game to one. So I'm going to start with yes. this one. Also, oh, yeah, also no, I just saw that Corbin, the yeah. – well, I was just going to say that I got an alert from Bleacher Report that Embiid is, I believe it was is questionable. He He's listed as doubtful for tomorrow night's game against the Heat. So Embiid already after game two when the wow. Sixers lost, he was talking about how he's tired of being babied. Um, and now it looks like he might be babied even a little bit more. So without Embiid for Game 3 in Miami, that could be tough. It's more just, is Wade going to show up again? Because if he's, if he's cooking like he was in Game 2, I don't think they win Game 3. So with Embiid's, too. Yeah, and with Embiid's availability kind of doubtful, it seems like going forward, because he's been cleared from concussion protocol since, I believe, either the day before Game 1 or the day of Game 1, and... They've just been very cautious in bringing him back. I think if they lose Game 3 to the Heat, they bring him back for Game 4. If they're up two games to one, then maybe they let him sit a little bit longer. I still think the Sixers end up winning this, but this is turning into... I think it's going to be a much more competitive series than I originally thought. I thought the Sixers would maybe even sweep this. I thought Embiid would be back by Game 2, though. So did I. Take this in four games or five, but now I'll I'll say the Sixers still end up winning this, but it's going to take six games. What do you think, Nicole? 
Oh, I think the Sixers are going to take it. I don't know what's going on in Philadelphia this year, but, I mean, you just you can't deny kind of what's happening. Yeah, and the yeah. Sixers have jumped crazy when it's come to rankings, and they've completely changed. And until last night, they were on a 17-game winning streak. You know, they were – they had figured out what to do. They it's knew true. they could figure everything out. And I I do think that like, this is probably going to be the most competitive series of the first round of playoffs. I think it's going to be a very – the fact that it's already 1-1. One one. I can see this game – I can see this series going into seven games. Wow. Yeah, I, I honestly agree with you, Nicole. I think it's going to go seven games also. And this is something that I'm kind of contradicting myself with what I said a couple weeks ago because I thought the 76ers were going to roll over the heat in this first round. But I didn't expect Dwayne Wade to come out as playoff Wade. And that was different, honestly. And this heat team is not bad at all. And the 76ers without Embiid, they're you know they still know how to win without him. Clearly, like you just said, Nicole, they were on such a big winning streak up until last night without Embiid to, for you know most of it, if not all of it. So um, I would say Ben Simmons is going to step up, and but I think tonight, like what you said, without Embiid and they're in uh, tomorrow. sorry tomorrow uh, without Embiid and they're in Miami. That's a that's a game that Miami should win and. That's going to force Philly with their back up against the wall, and I think it's going to be an extremely fun series. But at the end, I think the 76ers pulled out four games to three, seven-game series. Okay. Uh, we'll move on to our next matchup. we got number four Cavs versus number five Pacers. Uh, I'll start off with this one. Uh, so far, it is one game to zero Pacers, which is crazy because LeBron James never loses in the first round. So He's never yeah. until... It's just mind-blowing. Yeah, until this year, he had never been at a deficit in terms of games won and lost in the first round of the playoffs in his career. Yeah, so, I mean, it's great. And first off, testament to the Pacers, who are a team that no one expected to be this good this year. Victor Oladipo playing. Nobody expected uh, them to play make amazing. the playoffs or sniff yeah, the playoffs. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So this is such a crazy matchup because no one expected the Cavs to be here and no one expected the Pacers to be here. Both completely different stories, so... I like the Pacers in this series. Wow. And I'm going to go out on a limb there because Corbin doesn't think LeBron James can ever lose. But in reality, <laughs> it's, it's not, not LeBron James. He can he can average 35 points per game, 40 points per game, and put up a triple-double. But the fact that no one on his team can score above 15 points on any given day, and maybe JR gets hot for a game. Maybe. But, like, you know, Kevin Love is, of course, he's contributing as always. But it didn't see – that was the craziest thing for me was that this first game, it's never about the Cavs – um, you know, not putting up enough points. That's the thing. They put up enough points, but it's about their atrocious defense and how the fact that people can just put up more points than them, but they'll score all day. This showed that the Pacers controlled the game from beginning to end on the defensive end, and this offense looked lost. Completely lost. LeBron James was still doing his thing. It's not like he wasn't because he still put up the numbers that he should. But his team looked awful. And I'm not saying that they're not going to figure it out because they'll figure something out. But the Pacers are a very well-coached team and a team with a lot of depth. Because a lot of the players, because like even their starting five, um, it doesn't matter if their starting five is you know doing as well as you'd hope they are. They're, they can bring in Sabonis and some of these other guys off the bench who have really shown that they can, you know, stay consistent all year and so this team i really like them and i like the momentum that they have if they can put away this game i see it really going their way if the Cavs can come back right now and you just see a completely different team than you saw in game one it's lebron james's team but to me in game one it didn't seem like lebron's can do as much as he wanted it didn't matter the rest of that team just looked shook they didn't look like they were ready to be there at all so i see the pacers winning this game or winning this series in seven so four games to three and nicole what do you think about this series 
you know, it's funny. Like, when you're looking at, obviously, when it comes to LeBron and the Cavs, everyone kind of always has him as a shoe and everything. Or, you know, that's just kind of the norm is for LeBron James to go past round one and stuff like that. But, you know, I honestly agree with you. After the trade deadline, I did not think this Cavs team was going to make it very far in playoffs. But after everything they did, and then, you know, for the past couple of weeks, like, Sometimes they do really well, but sometimes they, they don't. You know, they haven't quite figured each other out yet. They did so many changes. It was a completely rebuilt team. And also, if you look at the score, it was 98-80. to 80. That's, I think, the lowest scoring series in round one. And I just, I think holding the Cavs to 80 points is absolutely insane. And the fact that they were able to do that in the first game, I think they kind of have the momentum with this. And like you're saying, the Cavs, like, they just didn't know what to do. You know, the Pacers came out so strong and were able to kind of shut them down defensively that they couldn't figure out how to break through that. And so I think if the Pacers can keep that up and keep, you know, only LeBron being the star of that the games, I think the Pacers can completely take this because this team's still figuring things out. They don't really know what to do quite yet. They don't really know you know, how the players work or anything like that. And the fact that it was just such a low-scoring games means that defensively, both these teams did a phenomenal job. And so I think the Pacers do run away with it in seven games as well. Wow. I think both of you guys are wrong. There's, there's, <laughs> there's no way. You two realize that you're betting against LeBron James, arguably the best player in NBA history. I hate the team the, and I hate the coach, so... But it's not like the Pacers are some juggernaut, right? It's still... You look at what LeBron James did against the Warriors in 2015 when they lost, but he won two games with a team that didn't have Kyrie, didn't have Kevin Love. The team that he had around him that would have been the worst team in the NBA easily without him, and he was able to take that team and beat a really good Warriors team that ended up winning the championship twice. Twice in that series. Without and Kyrie with Kyrie in Game One and went to overtime and they lost. Then Game Two, he comes back without Kyrie and wins. Just I can't I can't bet against LeBron James. I know that this Cavaliers team it's not like they're very impressive, but still has LeBron James who arguably had the best season of his career this year. And I I still I think the Cavs end up winning uh, end up winning the Eastern Conference. But for this round, yeah, I'll say I'll say the Cavs win it in. Six, but it really wouldn't surprise me if LeBron James just comes out and goes on a tear these next four and they win it in five, yeah. Okay, so we're totally different mindsets on that one. But yeah, the Cavs, <laughs> it's not, it has nothing to do with LeBron James. He's hes a god on the basketball court for me. Absolutely. Uh, so that's what I'm saying. It's not nothing about him. He's always going to be taking that team left or right, no matter what. It's just a matter of do you have him. a team to take to the next round is my question. Because last game it right. seemed like LeBron and nobody. So LeBron we'll, James we'll is a team on his own. It's, it's, it is true. LeBron is a god. But its we'll move on to the West, guys. And, uh, you know, crazy seating like we were talking about. Let's talk about the first matchup Rockets versus Timberwolves one versus the eight seed and right now it's one game to zero Houston of course they're playing tonight at 630 I'm gonna go um, Rockets four games to nothing here I don't think the Timberwolves are gonna put up anything I they're a very good team but this Rockets team is one of the best offenses to ever be put together I really think they're just gonna continue to just they're gonna roll through this series for sure and um, yeah but the Timberwolves just want to do a quick they haven't made the playoffs in 14 years, so wanted to shout out that team uh, for how well they played this year, making the playoffs. Jimmy Butler, a lot of these 
players that have Kitaj Gibson, all these players that have came over to really try and you know Jeff Teague to make this team something. They really have in this fan base as someone to root for right now. So it's just kudos to uh, Minnesota. They're back in a competitive kind of state. Wanted to bring that up really quick before I got your guys' opinions on the series. Yeah, so I'll go next on this. I'm surprised that you have them sweeping the Timberwolves. I think Timberwolves, yes, they finish as an eight seed, but that's mainly just because Jimmy Butler missed, what, about two months with that knee injury? If he's healthy for these past two months, Timberwolves probably end up at the three seed. I think there were, what, two games separating the three from the eight, so yeah, they definitely win up, another yeah. few games. But I have the Timberwolves losing this series to the Rockets, but I have it going six games. I... I think that the Timberwolves have a small chance in the series. Just you look at the talent that the Timberwolves have. Obviously, the Rockets have more talent with Harden and Chris Paul. But Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns, that's a pretty good one-two punch. And I, think then you're still, year, I think they're a year away. I do, too. That's why I don't think they're going to win the series. But I just think, I think that they're going to get at least a game, and I'm going to say two here, and that the Rockets close it out in six. But even game one, it was a really competitive game. The Timberwolves stayed with the Rockets. Every time the Rockets were starting to kind of pull away, the Timberwolves would get back into it and only lose by three in game one. It gives me hope that it's going to be a more competitive series than yeah. most people would think. What do you think, Nicole? What do you think? I completely agree with you guys. You know, the score was only three points difference between the Timberwolves and the Rockets, but I there's just no denying this Rockets team. They've just done something so amazing this season and so incredible that you just, you can't, you can't help but to pick them. Like there's just, you don't go against them right now. And so I do think the Timberwolves are going to be able to win a game. The fact that it was a three point game towards the end, like they showed up. I think this game's going to be like, this series going to be a lot more competitive than we actually thought it was going to be. But I still think the Rockets are going to pull out. I think they're going to, finish it with five games. I don't think they're going to make it to six and seven. I think the Rockets are going to run away with it, but I give props to the Timberwolves for being able to hold up to the Rockets for a majority of the game, and even though they lost, like, they still held their own, and they, you know, did something awesome for barely making it in there and haven't making it in there for so many years. I think it's just, it's an awesome way to see them do well and being able to challenge a very top team right now but i do think the rockets are gonna win this one yeah no definitely shout out to the timberwolves for being back in the playoffs to begin with so but we'll move on to the next matchup number two warriors which is very weird to say versus uh, the number seven spurs which is uh, also very weird to seven say. spurs yeah, yeah it's a weird matchup but yeah um, right now, the Warriors are up two games to nothing. For me, I think the Spurs are going to pull out two games because of their coaching and and because of the Warriors' health. And I really think that they're just going to catch the Warriors on a bad night, one in San Antonio, one in, in uh, Golden State. But the Warriors wow. are going to win this series four games to two. But uh, uh, yeah, what do you think, Corbin? I, this is the only series I have as a sweep. Uh, there's nothing that the Spurs have shown in oh, the I first agree. two games. Yeah, it, the Spurs had a great first half in Game 2, and still, what was the score at halftime? I think the Spurs were up by, like, 2 or something, and yeah. they could not have played any better than they were playing. And then that second half, you see the Warriors just start to heat up, and there's just nothing that the Spurs can do at that point. I just have so much confidence in Popovich. I just see him figuring it out and taking I, advantage of just a week. But we both, we both agree. Right. Popovich is the best coach in NBA history, but at some point, there's only so much, so many different adjustments you can do, right. and you're limited by the players that you have exactly. or don't have in Popovich's case with Kawhi Leonard not being right. there. So I just think and it's a shame, too, because if Kawhi Leonard was healthy, they catch the Warriors in an 
ideal situation without Steph Curry to where this would have been a very competitive series. You think back to last year, how the Spurs and Warriors, Kawhi Leonard was going to lead them to a game one blowout, it looked like, and then would have had a competitive series. He goes down with that sprained ankle, and then the Warriors sweep them. And this year, I just I don't think it's going to be any different. Warriors are going to take this in four. What do you think, Nicole? Yeah, I totally agree. I think sweep. the Warriors are going to sweep you know, the Spurs, I love, like, the fact that the Spurs made it to playoffs, I think, is absolutely incredible with yeah. everything they've been dealing with, but, you know, the Warriors, even though they have injuries, they're just, the second half of any game, they just run away with it, and I don't think any team's prepared for it, like, everyone can be matched up with them until about halftime, and they've done everything they can, but the Warriors just do something in that second half, and they just, that's when they win these games, they just yeah. seal the deal then, and the game one was such a blowout. And the Spurs kind of came back for game two, but I see the Warriors running away with this in four games as well. Yep, uh, the Warriors are an amazing second half team. So if you're going to beat them, you're going to have to beat them the whole game. That's yeah. it. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> but we'll move on to the next matchup: number three Trailblazers versus number six Pelicans. Like we said, it could have been the number three Pelicans versus the number six Trailblazers. There were only, I think, a half a game of difference yep. between their records. Well, one game. But uh, the Pelicans are up this series two games to zero. Um, going home now. Going home now. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is this is a series that the Trailblazers definitely have their back up against the wall. And I don't think anybody expected, you know, the Pelicans to come out and dominate like this. I think it, this was supposed to be the most competitive series out of any of them. And as of right now, the Pelicans are showing that they're a very a dominant force. And Anthony Davis is tough to deal with because it's hard yeah, to match all, up against him. That. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just not a lot of teams are built up to deal with big men of, of that kind of athleticism, that kind of caliber. They just like we said, we can debate the best front courts in the league all day, but. It's hard to figure out one person to guard Anthony Davis for a, for an entire series, and you know he's going to figure you out. So that's why I think the Pelicans are going to win this series for sure. But I think you don't keep Lillard and McCollum this quiet for the entire series. So I can see them pulling off two games, uh, and the Pelicans winning the series four games to two. What do you think, Corbin? Yeah, this series, I thought before the series started, this was going to be the most competitive of all of the series, and it's been very competitive. It's just surprising that the Pelicans were able to take two on the road. One thing that's been very clear is that Drew Holiday is just so underrated. I saw a stat earlier today that in the regular season, Drew Holiday, 36% of his shots came at the rim. In this series, through two games... 50% 50% of his shots have come at the rim, and he's converting on 72% of those shots. So he's getting to the rim pretty much at will, it seems like. That, he we, had that dagger three at right, the end of we last up, game. Um, I think this was, I don't know, three or four podcasts ago. He's having a career year shooting yeah. in all categories uh-huh. for shooting. And you he's think, you think, you think about the beginning, or before this year started last offseason when the Pelicans gave him that max deal, and there right. were so many people yeah. questioning, why do you do that? Well, the Pelicans were going to be over the salary cap anyways. Like, where else do you go with that money? It's not like you could have signed someone else with that money anyways. And, then, and their thought process was, are we going to find a point guard that's better yeah. than him? You know, he's still coming into his own. He's not even 100% there yet at this time when they gave him his his contract. Because as of right now, he's having the best year of his career. And I think they knew that this was coming at some point. But still, like, you know, who's better? Yeah, and part of it, too, was that over the last three years, I believe he's missed like 107 games because of different injuries. He's had knee problems he's been dealing with. And then on top of that, the unfortunate circumstances he's had to deal with is his wife dealing with a brain tumor while pregnant with their first child, so having to take time away from basketball, and completely understandably so, to take care of her. But 
just finally starting to show and kind of kind of make people remember him and show like, yeah, I'm someone who former all-star and looks like could be getting back to that level. And then on top of that, obviously, Anthony Davis, there's no way to stop him. And you look at the Blazers, who's on that roster that's Zach going Collins. to guard him? Yeah, that, there's no <laughs> chance. Get, get out of here, Zach Collins. Anyone else on that roster? There's nobody that can guard him. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think the Pelicans, I guess I'll still... Mm, I'll go six games. Just it's because I was thinking, it's has not. It's Lillard and McCollum. They've been yeah, no, that's the only reason why I'm even going six yeah. because you think about a team going up two zero and then going back home. Who would choose six games? But still, Lillard and McCollum. I have some. I just have. I know that they're gonna. Night. Yeah, yeah. One or two times. So I'll go that Pelicans. Anthony Davis puts up forty points, but McCollum and and Lillard together put up seventy five yeah, kind of yeah. thing, and they just win. It's just how it's gonna be. Yeah. Like, what do you think, Nicole? You know, if you would have asked me about this after game one, I would have told you that it probably was going to go to seven games because that was just such a competitive game. But then after game two, you know, the Pelicans, they were, like, they showed up and they were there. And the fact that they were on the road and did it, like, that was just something I didn't really think right. was going to happen because the first game was only a two-point difference. And then you come to the second game and it's about ten points and it's just – I didn't think that was going to happen whatsoever. Like you said, like I thought this was going to be a very competitive one, like until game seven and things like that. But, you know, the Pelicans showed that they, as of right now, like they showed they were the better team over the Trailblazers. But I do have to give the Trailblazers credit. Like they're going to win at least the game because there's no way that they're going to get completely swept. But I do, you know, I'm impressed with this Pelican team that showed up. I think they showed up immensely and they're going back home and you know home court advantage and all that stuff makes the biggest difference when it comes to games and so i see the pelicans winning this in game five yeah i know uh, we have a huge uh following in in new orleans so they have a lot of pelicans fans that listening as well so if any of you guys are going to go to the games for you know three and four when they're coming back shoot us on twitter send us pictures send us some updates or whatever we'd love to uh, you know get active with you guys at that game and we just want to we can only imagine how happy all of our new orleans fans are right now that the pelicans are coming out playing like this so quick shout out to you guys and uh stay active with us if you're going to be at any of those games i think it'd be cool and and i know how happy all of our pelicans fans must be going up too well i'll put a little damper on it with just think about what could have been if demarcus cousins hadn't gotten injured i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> But uh, yeah, you guys are. As long as Nikola Mirotic can take some sprints and practice after that, he'll be fine because he looked awful down the stretch yeah, when it came to stamina. Did. So he needs to get his well, shit straight. Just, but yeah, he sprained his ankle. Yeah, I mean, he just he just looked like he was tired and just off. But other than that, the Pelicans are looking great. And congrats to you guys. So you having a team that you've rostered this year that's looking real nice. We'll move on to our last matchup, uh, number four versus number five, Thunder and Jazz. Right now, the Thunder are up one game to zero. Um, I think it's going to go seven games. Honestly, this I think it's a really, really, really good matchup. But at the end of the series, I think OKC takes this four games to three. Playoff Paul George is real. Playoff, uh, playoff P. Yeah, he put a, he's very aggressive. And you guys, if you haven't seen him play in the playoffs, take a look. He's he got the eye of the tiger, and it looks like if him and and he's got Russ, who one is one of the most intense players in the entire league. If Carmelo the can, most. yeah, the most. Yeah, you're right. So. Between no them two, either. honestly, I think they there's no way that you take down this team in the first round. Donovan Mitchell, you're having such an amazing year. And, of course, this team is so interesting to see with how well coached they are also. But I think the Thunder are just going to be too much in the end. What do you guys think? 
Yeah, Nicole, I'll let you go first on this. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think the Thunder's just going to kind of, you know, run away with this. They're just so talented. And, you know, kind of earlier when I was talking about, like, they're a little bit underrated, I think, with some things. I, obviously, you know, when it comes to records and stuff like that. But the Thunder, they just, they know how to handle this. And they know how to handle this jazz. And they they showed up. Russell, Rus- Russell Westbrook, I can't talk today. Uh, they... <laughs> They were awesome. Like, he just, he dominated, and it was impressive to watch. And so I kind of thought, you know, at the beginning, I think it's going to still be a very competitive one, but I do think that the Thunder's going to run away with this in six games just because I was very impressed with game one with them. You know, they just, they showed up. They went out very intensely, and they just, they guarded the ball well, and they handled the tempo of the game just the way they wanted to yeah. do that. And that's what they do very well is controlling the game to their personal preference. And as long as they can do that, they're going to completely run away with this series. Yeah, I I agree with you guys. I think that this was just a bad matchup for the Jazz because they, they're they a team that likes to control the pace too. I believe they allowed the fewest points per game of any team in the NBA. And they have an amazing defense, but you go up against this Thunder team that's kind of been inconsistent with, you think about the pairing of Westbrook and Paul George, and as a whole for the season, they should have been more dominant than they were. But that's just them not being able to learn how to play with each other on a game-to-game basis for some reason. But I think in this playoff series where they're able to just lock in on one opponent and stay on that one opponent, they'll be able to figure it out a little bit better. And with Donovan Mitchell also, he's had a phenomenal year, but he was injured in last game. He's questionable i believe was what he was listed for the game tonight with his uh, i think it was his toe but regardless i think he'll definitely play but is he going to be 100 percent? who knows and even if he was 100 percent, i still think the thunder win the series but with his health kind of an issue i think the thunder are going to roll in this series i think thunder i'll give the jazz one game in utah but thunder win in game five back in okc so you think it's going to be four games to one? Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you guys again. Thank you so much, Nicole, for joining us on this podcast. It's been Thanks so, for having me. It's been so yeah, fun. Yeah, thank you. It's been uh, so much fun. Yeah. So <laughs> um, with that, just want to thank all of you for listening and staying with us through this entire podcast. A lot of fun things we got to talk about. Got to get a Wizards fangirl perspective on how the NBA playoffs would shake out as far as uh, who's going to win each series and also just some quick takes on our different topics that we've missed from the past few weeks. So thank you all again for listening to NBA Unwrapped, where we unwrap the hottest takes from around the NBA. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at NBA Unwrapped. You can follow me, Corbin, on Twitter at CorbinMRPK, Perry on Twitter at Perry Aston, and Nicole on Twitter at WizardsFGSN. Again, that's at WizardsFGSN for Fangirl Sports Network. And also remember to subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud and also on the Apple iTunes podcast app. And while you're there, please, if you do like our podcast, go ahead and give us five stars. It really helps us out. Yeah, we really appreciate that. But yeah, really fun podcast. Perry, Nicole, any final words before we sign off? While you guys are at it, please take a look at Fangirl Sports Network and get familiar with what, what they're doing. It's definitely some really cool stuff they got going on. And, of course, Nicole, just such a friend of the podcast now. We thank you so much again, and we hope to continue to do, you know, have a great relationship for the future and maybe have you on uh, future podcasts. It's just been such a pleasure having you here today. And, uh, yeah, just thank you guys so much for tuning in to episode 22 with us. We've really had a great time today. Any last words from you, Nicole? 
I was just going to say, this was so much fun to be able to talk with you guys about, you know, everything going on in playoffs and everything this season so far. So I just want to thank you guys for inviting me on today's podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Our pleasure. A lot of fun. So thank you, Nicole. Thank you to all of our listeners for sticking with us. And we hope you guys all tune in next time for our next podcast, hopefully within the next week or so. So until then, take care.